1: Good day and welcome to the Cogeco Incorporated and Cogeco Communications Incorporated Quarter 1 2022 Earnings Conference Call. Today's conference is being recorded. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Mr. Patrice Wemet, Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer of Cogeco Incorporated and Cogeco Communications Incorporated. Please go ahead, Mr. Wiemet.
2: Thank you. So, good morning, everybody, and welcome to this quarter-week conference call, which uh, Philippe Jeté and I will present. So, again, as we begin this call, I'd like to remind listeners that the call is subject to forward-looking statements, which can be found in our press releases issued yesterday. I'll turn the call over now to Philippe Jeté.
0: Merci, Patrice. Good morning, and thank you all for joining us to discuss the financial results of Kojiko Communications and Kojiko Inc., let me first note that we are satisfied with Kojiko Communications' overall performance for the first quarter of fiscal 2022, which is in line with our expectations in our Canadian operations and slightly ahead in our U.S. operations. On the radio side, Kojiko Media continues to face pressure from a slow advertising market in light of a COVID-19 pandemic. and current supply chain disruptions, impacting many industries. However, all in all, these results position us very well to start on our fiscal 2022 on a solid footing. Let's start with our US operations, recent initiatives. We closed the Ohio acquisition on September 1st, which added nearly six hundred and ninety thousand serviceable households and businesses to our footprint. The integration of these assets is advancing well and according to plan. This acquisition represents a strong strategic fit for Kojiko Communications, as it is complementary to our existing US footprint and capitalize on our existing American platform. On January 10th, our US subsidiary announced a full rebrand, changing its operating name from Atlantic Broadband to BreezeLine. With the recent acquisition of Ohio and other expansion initiatives, the rebrand aims to better represent its geographic reach, which is now beyond the eastern seaboard, the breadth of its product line, and a pledge to an excellent customer experience. As part of the rebrand initiative, BreezeLine launched BreezeLine Stream TV, a cloud-based IPTV service allowing customers to access live and recorded programs through a single, very easy-to-use interface on every device inside and outside the home, in addition to several popular streaming application. BreezeLine will gradually roll out this new offering across its footprint during the year. We expect the new offering to contribute to free cash flow as it is more capital efficient and allows for customer self-installations. BreezeLine is moving along with its plan to invest approximately $82 million U.S. in network expansions in fiscal 2022, to reach nearly 70,000 additional homes and businesses with fiber-to-the-home services. Franchise agreements have been obtained in multiple communities in New Hampshire and West Virginia, and many other franchise agreements should be concluded in other states in the current fiscal year. It is an exciting period as we are planning to have our first commercial launch within a few weeks. And at Kojiko Connection, we are also progressing well with our network expansion projects, where we are planning to increase the number of homes pass by 3% by fiscal year end. The 13 high-speed internet network expansion projects, which were awarded in several regions of Quebec, are expected to be completed by September 2022. In addition, we are active in several projects in Ontario, with more to come as a major broadband funding program is being launched in the province to connect additional unserved and underserved regions. On the customer experience side, our data analytics capabilities and introduction of new marketing automation leveraging artificial intelligence are resulting in lower churn and improving video and telephony customer trends. We are also continuing to gain traction with our cornerstone high-speed internet services and with Epico, our IPTV entertainment service. Finally we continue to prepare for an entry in the wireless market and are currently participating in a CRTC proceeding that will establish the terms and conditions for access to the incumbent wireless networks. As for Kojiko Media, even though the radio business continues to face pressure of the current economy on the uh, advertising market, we continue to enjoy strong ratings from our listeners, based on the Fall 2021 Numeris survey results, which confirm the outstanding performance of all Kojiko Media radio stations. In particular, our 98.5 station, which was the most listened to station in all of Canada. I will let Patrice now discuss our financial results. Well, thank you, Philippe.
2: So revenue at Kojiko Communications is up 19% and adjusted EBITDA up 14.9% in constant currency when compared to the same quarter last year. This was essentially driven by EBITDA growth of 33% at Breezeline, formerly Atlantic Broadband, mainly as a result of the Ohio Systems acquisition. Free cash flow declined by 5.2% in constant currency, mainly as a result of increased capital expenditures acquisition and integration costs related to the Ohio acquisition, and financial expenses partly offset by higher EBITDA and lower current income taxes. Capital intensity reached 19.6% compared to 18.8% last year, mainly due to the higher capital expenditures of our U.S. operations related to the Ohio systems network infrastructure and to support footprint expansion combined with accelerated equipment purchases. In the first quarter, Kojiko Communication continued to be active in its share buyback program with the purchase of 274,000 shares for a total consideration of $29.5 million. As our first quarter was slightly above expectations, we are confirming our Kojiko Communication fiscal 2022 financial guidelines which were updated in November to include the Ohio acquisition. On a constant currency basis, we still expect that Kojiko Communication will grow its revenue in the range of 15 to 17% and EBITDA in the range of 14 to 16%. We believe that the Ohio acquisition should still contribute approximately 11.5% of revenue growth. And 11% of EBITDA growth. As for organic revenue and EBITDA growth, we expect the US, we expect the U.S. operations to generate mid-single digit growth, uh, and the Canadian operations to generate low single low single digit growth. Excluding the network expansion projects, we expect free cash flow and constant currency to grow between 5 and 15%. As for quarterly results, we expect that organic year-over-year EBITDA growth will gradually improve throughout the fiscal year for both BreezeLine and Kojiko Connection, as we had an unusually strong first two quarters last year, given that certain expenses, such as marketing and advertising, had been deferred to the second half of the year. We expect that capital expenditures will gradually increase throughout the year as network expansions and the Ohio integration capital expenditures will ramp up. Now let's look at the individual components. In the US, Breeze Lines revenue and EBITDA in constant currency increased by 31 and 33% respectively for the first quarter, mainly as a result of the Ohio broadband acquisition. Now, if we exclude the Ohio impact, revenue and constant currency increased by 4.6%, mainly as a result of annual rate increases implemented for certain services and a higher Internet service customer base and, and a higher value product mix, partly offset by lower advertising revenue, as last year was an election year in the United States. EBITDA, excluding the Ohio impact in constant currency, increased by 4.3%, mainly as a result of organic revenue growth, partly offset by rebranding costs to Line and higher marketing and advertising activity. We expect a similar organic EBITDA growth trend in the second quarter as we continue to invest in the rebranding, which will then be followed by stronger growth in the second half of the fiscal year. As we had highlighted when we announced the Ohio acquisition, we expect that revenue generated from the Ohio transaction will gradually decline in fiscal 22, mostly as a result of a declining video customer base while we integrate the operations and transition to an IPTV platform. But we do expect the EBITDA to remain stable. During the first quarter of fiscal 22, the internet subscriber base remain essentially stable, generally due to low customer movements in the industry following significant customer additions last year, as some customers have accelerated switching to our high-speed internet services. Other factors include more seasonal disconnects uh, this year, which were unusually low last year in the context of the pandemic, more non-pay disconnects due to the lapsing of some COVID relief programs in the U.S., less bulk unit connections uh, this quarter, and competitive offers in a portion of the footprint. We do expect that internet customer growth will resume throughout the remainder of the fiscal year. The larger loss in video customers is mainly due to a stable internet customer base. The broadband first strategy that we have uh, been using for a year, which is focused on a higher uh, product mix, and losses in the Ohio system, which were planned. Finally, we expect that quarterly video customer losses will reduce in the future quarters. Turning to the Canadian operations, Kojiko Connection's revenue increased by 8.2% in constant currency relative to the same quarter last year. Excluding the impact of the DERI Telecom acquisition, revenue in constant currency declined by 0.6%, mainly due to annual rate increases, which were delayed to November fiscal 2021 in some geographies, and a decline in video and telephony customers, partly offset by the positive impact of a higher internet customer base. Physical Connections EBITDA increased by 0.7% in constant currency relative to last year. Excluding the impact of the daily telecom acquisition, EBITDA and constant currency declined by 6.9%, which was as expected as part of our annual guidance. The decline is mainly due to higher marketing and advertising expenses to support overall customer base growth, compared to unusually low cost in the same quarter last year in the context of the pandemic. We expect slightly higher positive EBITDA growth in the second quarter compared to the first quarter. Uh, as our Canadian operations should should resume their organic growth, and the Derry Telecom results were included for most of last year's second quarter. We then expect that logical connection will generate mid-single-digit EBITDA growth in the second half of the year. The broadband customer additions in the first quarter were slightly lower compared to last year, which benefited from the positive impact of the pandemic. The video and phone customer losses were better than last year, resulting from a more targeted marketing and advertising approach by region and by market. Now, let us look at Kojiko Inc. In the first quarter, consolidated revenue increased by 18% and EBITDA increased by 12.9% in constant currency. Revenue related to the radio operations decreased by 2.6%, mainly due to a soft advertising Uh, market in the context of the pandemic, and the slow economic recovery for media companies. We are confirming Kojiko Inc.'s fiscal 22 financial guidelines, which were updated in November and reflect the same expectations as for Kojiko Communications. Kojiko Inc. also announced yesterday the launch of a normal course issuer bid to acquire up to 325,000 subordinate voting shares over the next year. Kojiko believes that the purchase of its subordinate boarding shares is an attractive use of its liquidity. I'll turn the call over now to Philippe for concluding remarks.
0: Thank you, Patrice. As you can see, we have started fiscal 2022 on a solid ground, and we expect that organic year-over-year EBITDA growth will gradually improve throughout the year, the fiscal year, as we add an unusually strong first half in fiscal 2021. The ongoing trend of customers spending more time at home for work, education, or entertainment should continue to have a positive impact on our growth outlook. Finally, I would like to give an update on Kojiko's commitment relating to environmental, social, and corporate governance. On December 7th, COGECO published its first Climate Action Plan and Task Force on Climate Related Financial Disclosures, outlining the key steps it is taking in support of an urgent climate action, as well as its processes and strategies to assess and manage climate related risks and opportunities. Our plan includes actions to reduce our own operational emissions, covering 100% of our Scope 1 and Scope 2 emissions, as well as the most material emissions from our our value chain, representing over 67% of our Scope 3 emissions. It also includes actions to ensure long-term resilience by identifying and mitigating our key climate-related risk, while maximizing climate-related opportunities. A few weeks after receiving His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales, Terra Carta seal, in recognition of our commitment to creating a sustainable future, Kogeco received on December 7th, the prestigious A rating from CDP. This rating demonstrates Kojiko's leadership and commitment to best practices in governance, disclosure, and emissions reduction. We are proud of this achievement. Only three Canadian companies achieved this score, and none of our peers in Canada and the US made the A list. Lastly, Kojiko and Kojiko Communications announced on December 17 that they both transition their term-revolving bank facilities into the first syndicated sustainability-linked loans in Canada within the telecommunications and media sector. The facilities incorporate ESG-linked incentive pricing terms, which reduce or increase the cost of funding depending on the annual performance against specific targets. These targets are related to Kojiko's greenhouse gas annual emissions reduction and our digital inclusion initiative to provide 75,000 homes in underserved and unserved areas of Canada with access to high-speed internet service over a three-year period. Additionally, Kojiko and Kojiko Communications will dedicate any savings achieved from the sustainability linked loans towards internal sustainability initiatives. And now we will be happy to answer your questions.
1: At this time, we would like to inform everyone if you would like to ask a question, press star then one on your telephone keypad. Once again, star one to come into the question queue. Our first question is going to come from the line of Arvinda Gulapapage with Canaccord Genuity.
3: Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my questions and uh, happy new year. Um, uh, just a couple of questions for me. Um, first of all, I was wondering if you can sort of uh, uh, sort of uh, flesh out the. Um, the internet uh, movements in in the U.S. I know that historically the seasonality has, hasn't always been consistent, and obviously the pandemic may have disturbed that as well. I was wondering if you can talk to that variance, and uh, perhaps connected to that, I mean we know that uh, there's been a bit of a sell-off in the U.S. cable codes, and uh, there is a little bit more awareness around, uh, you know, the U.S. telcos starting to step up their uh, network expansions uh, and in particular sort of upgrades. I wanted to get your thoughts on that and whether you're seeing any of that uh, in within your footprint.
0: Well, let me just start with um, uh, one or even two uh, a step back. Before the pandemic, um, the industry at a run rate. The pandemic certainly changed um, many customer behaviors. And there was different needs that the industry um, took care of by connecting even more customers very fast. And now it seems that uh, we're coming back to trends that, were, um, that are in line with pre-pandemic levels. Now I'll turn to, uh, to Patrice to answer the, uh, the second component of your question.
2: Uh- yeah, so uh, in terms of the uh, buildouts of uh, phone companies with uh, fiber to the home uh, we we have seen some announcements as well, but I would say we have seen uh, little impact uh, so far. Um, so we'll have to see in the future, but I would say uh, at this point, we're not really uh, seeing uh, uh, much action in terms of converting uh, DSL into uh, fiber to the home. And just coming back to the question on uh, internet, yes, yeah, so we were. We did uh, run uh, with uh, fairly high internet subs uh, over the last two fiscal years. Uh, There is uh, less activity right now, and uh, we believe that a portion of customers have made the switch, as people were spending more time at home, switch from uh, competitors to our high-speed internet products and, and the other products we offer, Uh, We do expect that the attractiveness is there and we'll we'll continue to add uh, subscribers and we do expect future quarters to be more active than what we saw in Q1. Uh, But there is a bit of a pause from there. Uh, Other items relate to, uh, you were mentioning seasonality. Uh, Last year, we had less uh, disconnections uh, due to seasonality than usual and we uh, believe it's also due to the pandemic. Um, people were moving less than before, spending more time at home as well. Uh, whereas this year we're a bit more back to normal. Um, we also had this quarter less bulk additions in the Florida market. Uh, this varies by quarter, but it was a softer quarter. Uh, we expect the next, uh, at least the next two quarters, to be more active in Florida. And um, um, and the last uh, piece would be the non-pay disconnect. So. Uh, Given the programs, the COVID uh, relief programs that were in place in uh, many states and on the federal level, um, uh, many of these programs have lapsed now, and we've seen uh, higher non-pay churn, which is more uh, usual, and uh, last year was unusually uh, low
3: okay thank you uh for those uh thank you for that color um and then uh, maybe for Patrice, uh, uh switching over to capex um obviously you provided very specific uh guidance on twenty two um uh, how should we think about uh, network expansion options going into twenty three and beyond um you know is should be, are we likely to see perhaps more uh, uh, more uh, you know, initiatives on the U.S. front as you sort of exploit the, sort of the new legislation there? Or, um, you know, is that sort of uncertain at this point?
2: Yeah, so uh, this year we're planning to spend between 240, uh, sorry, 230 and $240 million, and that's Canadian dollars, uh, total in network expansion. And at the high level, it's approximately half and half between Canada and the U.S., um, Canada right now is very focused on the build in Quebec uh, which has to be done by September 22. Uh, so there will be little in, the, uh, in Quebec in the next uh, fiscal year. Um, we do have an, uh, smaller projects in Ontario that are ongoing and that will carry over uh, in the next year. But there is also um, a new program coming up in a few months. It's going to be an auction actually. In Ontario Uh, we're going to be participating but it's difficult to say exactly uh, um, how big it will be until we go through the the process Uh, so that's Canada and in the US um, we are planning to add about 70,000 homes pass this year the 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 timing can sometimes uh, change by a quarter uh, but that's the plan for now um, we like this business. Uh, it's, it's something that we've been doing in Florida for uh, a long time, and we're targeting mid-teen, unlevered returns on this expansion. Uh, so uh, as Philip said, we're uh, going to have our first network, uh, a very small one that's going to be live uh, very soon from these expansions. And then throughout the year, uh, especially in the last few quarters of the year, we will have the bulk of it. Um, so I, I do expect that we will do, be doing more in fiscal 23. Uh, the pace of it will depend on how attractive we uh, see the different opportunities uh, for growth. Um, and I would not say it's a permanent situation, but I would, I would expect the U.S. will remain active in uh, fiscal 23. And maybe one last point on this is that um, this year is more of a build uh, period. In fiscal 23, we do expect to see the benefit of uh, additions of uh, PSUs and uh, obviously some revenues and EBITDA, but I would say the bulk of the EBITDA contribution will come the next year. But you you should start seeing meaningful additions of uh, subs in fiscal 23.
3: Okay. Thank you very much. I'll pass the line. Thank you.
1: Our next question will come from the line of Jérôme Dubril with Desjardins.
4: Merci. Bonjour tout le monde.
5: Thanks, everyone. On wireless in the US, uh, in the past, you appear to be a bit more focused on M&A and had no intention to partner uh, in an MVNO model. Um, I wonder if you can comment on if your thinking has evolved in terms of uh, stepping into wireless uh, in the US recently.
0: Well, It's Bonjour, uh, Jérôme. It's all prioritized with the size of opportunities, uh, our capacity to execute um, on the short and the mid-term timeframe, as well as the return uh, we're expecting to get. So right now, at this point, still in the U.S., we see, we see very strong opportunities to hedge out to expand our networks um, with very high-quality fiber-to-the-home networks. Um, Increase our shares in adjacent uh, market share and adjacent footprint. Uh, that is still at the very top of organic or edging out uh, growth right now. Uh, we are interested in Canada on the wireless side. We all know that. We are aware of what to do in the US, but it's all a question of priori- uh, prioritization. Um, And right now, the network um, expansion, the wireline network expansion in the U.S. are top of our list. And we uh, need to know as well uh, in the short future what the Biden infrastructure program will look like. There's another 40-some billion uh, dollar in subsidy that will cascade down uh, to the states. Uh, That program is not very well known at the moment in details, but uh, we will continue to monitor that.
5: I think that's helpful. And um, also with the uh, with the Omicron wave we're, we're seeing right now, uh, obviously this has not impacted the, the quarter you just reported, uh, but wondering if so far you are seeing uh, maybe similar impacts to, to the last year on the January one or maybe more muted impact.
0: Well, on the telecommunication side, uh, our operations, uh, our 724 operations, are very robust against uh, the pandemic right now. We have very good process. Uh, we, uh, we can cope with the different, uh, the different uh, regulations that are coming uh, from the different states uh, very well. On the media side, uh, it's actually more the markets that is being impacted right now. We have uh, several segments of the market that has not resumed an economic recovery, uh, so they, uh, they don't really advertise at the moment. And others have uh, supply chain disruption or labor disruption. Some, some segments have, have actually um, quite strong demand, but since they can supply, to that demand uh, with uh, shortage in products or labor, uh, they, uh, they are slow on advertising.
6: That's all, Paul, merci.
1: Our next question will come from the line of Vince Valentini with TD Securities.
7: Thanks very much. <clears throat> First, Patrice, can I try to clarify a couple of the, of the US broadband, um, things you talked about in your prepared remarks i think you said for the rest of the year you expect positive internet ads but you said it pretty fast i just want to make sure that's what you said uh that's right perfect the um churn and and the non-pay churn you talked about if, if you just look at overall churn of your broadband subs in the u.s can you tell us if that was stable year over year or did it increase
2: uh, I would say we're closer to uh, usual trends, uh, whereas uh, last year was unusually low. Um, obviously, as uh, as there were a lot of uh, restrictions on people moving and people were highly working from home and also getting education at home, um, we had less uh, interest from customers to uh, make uh, switches, especially leaving us. Uh, we had people interested in moving to high-speed Internet on our network, but less people uh, uh, leaving us, or actually uh, moving houses as well. So that was a bit uh, slower last year. So I would say we're more back to normal at this point.
7: So if I look back to two years ago in the first quarter of 2020, your churn would be pretty similar this quarter? Uh,
2: yes, at the, at the high level,
7: yes. Okay. It's the
2: uh, It's the acquisition that's a bit uh slower than usual for the reasons i mentioned uh a, a slight probably a slight pause or a bit less demand as a lot of people have already moved to our networks in the, in the past two years but it's this uh this will pick up as well
7: and last on this topic you, you the seasonal disconnect can you just fill me in on that i assume this isn't florida cuz in florida people would be going there in in the winter months not leaving there is there some region where you have a lot of seasonal left Households?
2: Uh, we, we do have households uh, along the coast, so it's not just in Florida. Actually, Florida, uh, we have a sizable uh, bulk um, uh, business, so what, whatever is in the bulk contract does not move. It's a yearly contract, but we do have uh, add ons, so some of the contracts will provide just video, for example. And people will take retail, internet, so these can uh, be disconnected potentially. Uh, but no, we we also have uh, people in other states uh, uh, higher up uh, that will have vacation homes uh, in the summer, uh, so it's a bit uh, the inverse of uh, of Florida.
7: Oh, okay. And um, two other quick other topics, if you don't mind. Bree- BreezeLine rebranding, can you give us any sense of uh, how big that is um, for the full year and... I'm surprised that you say it impacted Q1 much because you just announced it this week and Q1 ended in November. So you were actually already spending money that got expensed in in Q1? Uh,
2: We did, yeah. So there were, uh, obviously, this requires a lot of preparation. uh, And uh, to be able to make uh, an effective launch, you need to have everything ready. So we did uh, did invest uh, uh, some amounts in Q1 and there will be some in Q2 and Q3 as well. Um, I wouldn't say it's, uh, it's the only thing. there's obviously ju- more general sales and marketing, but that's part of the reason for uh, for being a bit lower than usual, but we do expect the second half of the year to be higher than usual in terms of EBITDA growth in the uh, higher end of the single digit.
7: So the full amount but over the three quarters is it like is it five million or more, or is it a more immaterial amount?
8: Uh, it, it's
2: probably in that range it's uh yeah but it, it definitely uh you need to change logos you need to uh, rebrand the the uh, the equipment we use as well like the trucks and so there there are some costs to do that and some marketing as well but it's uh yeah it's it, it's it's a few million but it's it's not i wouldn't say it's just uh, half a million dollars
7: <laughs> and the last question um maybe more for Philippe but whoever wants to answer it you, you talked about priorities for investment uh, in relation to that U.S. wireless question. I'm wondering about radio. Um, The CRTC is probably coming out with a review of regulations soon, and I think most people expect and think there should be more allowance for consolidation in Canada and allowing people to own more stations in a market. If that happens, can radio be on your list of priorities for investment to, to bulk up and take advantage of scale and synergies?
0: Well, thanks, Vince. Uh, it's too soon to, uh, to to answer that question. We will obviously participate. We've been in constant uh, dialogue with uh, our governments, both um, at the federal level as well as the provincial level. Uh, there's a lot of attention, as you know, on media, whether it's uh, papers or radio or television. Uh, they've suffered a lot through the pandemic. So we will continue to participate um, through the different forums that are active at this moment, uh, and we'll see what, what the future uh, will look like for, uh, for the media sector.
1: Thank you. Our next question will come from the line of Jeff Fan with Scotiabank. Hi,
4: thank you, and good morning. Um, just a quick follow-up on the... Um, U.S. broadband net editions, um, you said it's going to be positive for the rest of the year. Can you elaborate on um, what drives that for the rest of the year, what initiatives you have in place? Maybe you talked about it, but I'm sorry if I missed it. Um, the other question related to the broadband is in your release, you talked about or you made mention of competitive offers in portions of your footprint um, that resulted in the net additions results. Uh, for US broadband. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Um, because in your earlier answer, you talked about no evidence of any impact from fiber. Are you seeing impact from fixed wireless? Because um, I guess a couple of bigger players are making a lot of noise um, in the US on that one. Thanks.
0: Well, m- maybe, John, uh, Jeff. Um If I could start with uh, the uh, latter part of your question uh, to address the fixed wireless. Uh, We've noticed, too, there's a uh, number of things that are being said. Uh, Now, this capacity is coming from capacity that was um, being built and assigned to a mobile initiative. So as you very well know, the ARPU per gig on on mobile network is much, much, much higher than fixed wireless, where uh, fixed wireless uh, consumers consume 40 times the amount of data uh, than on the mobile side. So we will remain skeptical to see major um, shift from network capacity from mobile to fixed wireless fixed wireless, we will monitor, like you will, uh, uh, what's really being done there. Uh, But the high cost of spectrum and the high cost of mobile uh, network builds uh, suggest that uh, fixed wireless is very local, opportunistic, and in small areas.
2: Yeah, so on the um, the, uh, broadband uh, additions uh, in the future, obviously, this is something that – is always difficult to predict with accuracy, and that's why we don't provide specific guidance on it. Uh, and also these, uh, these additions or, or losses in a specific quarter are a small portion of the overall base. That being said, uh, we do have a number of programs, including the, the launch of the Breeze Line program, so there's a number of marketing activities going on there. Uh, I talked about the lapsing of certain government uh, aid that was provided that created some churn. Um, this should normally not be there for the for a good portion of the balance of, uh, of the year, as, uh, as the bulk of it was uh, was during the quarter. Uh, there's some seasonality patterns as well. Um, as I said, this quarter was a bit uh, 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 more normal, but last year was abnormal. Uh, we do expect that the um, uh, so the, the pause we were seeing, given that there we had uh, an accelerated uh, level of addition in the last two years, will not last forever as well. So we do expect that activity on the uh, on the new customer side uh, will start as well. And and lastly, um, as I said, the bulk uh, additions in Florida were low in this quarter. Uh, actually, they were lower than last year. Um, and we're going to have some quarters because we have good visibility on this. We're going to have quarters um, in the balance of the year where you'll see the reverse. where We're, we're going to be higher than last year.
4: Thank you. Um, if I may just follow up on um, Philippe's comment, um, I totally agree about the, the cost per gig. I mean, there, the math um, says itself um, but I guess these, these operators um, are using excess um, 5g capacity in their network for fixed wireless. Um, and also, um, I guess the you know the, the cost per gig might have an impact longer term as to how big that business may turn out becoming for them. but in the in the shorter term, um, it doesn't stop them from trying to grow their broadband business because that seems to be a big, big focus in printing those big fixed-wire-to-subscriber numbers for the street. Um, are you concerned a bit about even their attempt?
0: No, we're not concerned. As I said, it's going to be localized. It's going to be opportunistic. But the eye uh, cost of uh, mobile spectrum uh, is, uh, is sunk, uh, and, and it won't go away. So eventually, they'll have to bring back that capacity in line with the business model that brings the ARPU at the right level. So I uh, I I I actually feel for those customers that would be will be sell uh, sold something in the interim period, and after some time they, w- they will have to be taken back to to move that capacity to Moba. So it won't be a great customer experience uh, eventually.
4: Okay, fair enough. Um, one last question, just on wireless in Canada. Um, I know there's still quite a bit of um, uncertainty in terms of how that model might play out, um, you know, just on your HMNO model, can you just remind us, um, do you own the core or is, is the plan for Code, your Code that if you do pursue this to own your own core? And if so, um, have you started to make investments in that area? Uh, and if you do own your own core, does that have an impact on costs and free cash flow going forward if you do decide to move forward?
0: Yeah, so uh, that's a good uh, good question. No, we have not made a major investment in core. We've always uh, uh, said that we need to control the core part of the network. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to buy it. We could lease it. There are different uh, models out there, but uh, it all starts with the terms and conditions that the, the CRTC will uh, Will put in the um, wholesale framework. So we are investigating, of course, uh, uh, the, the latest development in technology. Um, and capex is a different order of magnitude. But we are we are also looking at models, of pretty much capex light model, where control doesn't mean doesn't mean ownership of every pieces. Great, that's helpful. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Our next question comes from Matthew Griffiths with Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. Oh, hi.
5: Thanks for uh, taking the question. Um, I just wanted to follow up on the Canadian wireless um, aspirations. Um, you know, I know that the terms and conditions kind of proceeding, if that's the right term, is ongoing, but can you point to any kind of timelines or expectations about... Um, when you think it might conclude?
0: Yes, it's a long process. The CRTC just launched another um, a request for comments uh, with a long list of questions to the industry. Um, so all I can really say is that this uh, investigation will need to close uh, for the next step. To be set by the CRTC. The best uh, uh, time frame we have right now is likely very late spring, early summer.
5: Okay, great. Thanks.
0: But and since, then, since, the, since the CRTC do not publish <laughs> uh, road maps or time calendar, uh, we're, we're all waiting on them to, to declare something on timing. It, right, of course.
5: And then um, on the 70,000 uh, homes that you are aiming to add in the U.S. Um, I guess this, calendar, this fiscal year, um, what is the expectation, well, first of all, can you, can you maybe characterize the area that you're expanding into? Will you be the sole cable operator? Is there, are there existing cable operators in those footprints? And what are the expectations for the pace of adding pen- or achieving uh, target penetration levels?
2: Uh, Sure. So the U.S. uh, expansion is different than Canada. Canada is in areas that are underserved or unserved, and uh, we typically partner with the government to provide it. And generally, um, well, to be eligible basically in these areas, uh, the competition will be DSL or fixed wireless or, or nothing. In the U.S., it's different. We're actually uh, going into areas like we've been doing in Florida for many years. Now we're going, it's more in New Hampshire, so it's it's more uh, northeast. Uh, and we are going into uh, average size uh, cities, average for us at least. Um, and um, uh, typically there is one cable operator, and there is also a DSL operator from a, a phone company. And we bring in fiber to the home. So it's a dif- different dynamic. Our penetration rates um, we're expecting in the U.S. are different as well. We're targeting 36% over three years, whereas in Canada it's higher at 50%. Um, and, um, but we are the only one with a fiber product, but there is also a cable uh, operator there, yes. Okay.
5: And, you know, maybe just to, you know, I don't want to beat the fixed wireless Thing too much, but, you know, I, I kind of agree with uh, Philip's kind of characterization of lo- local, opportunistic and in small areas, but I, I think one of the things that um, like we're in- focused on is if, if these areas, if these local and opportunistic small areas are, are the areas where you're operating, because um, I think the conversation, if we look at it nationally, you know, has one flavor. But if we look locally, and if you're seeing a, a growing um, challenge from the fixed wireless operators in your local areas, um, that would be, you know, a different conversation. So, um, I, you mentioned you're monitoring it, but are you seeing like what are you seeing when you're monitoring in in your kind of market intelligence that you're that you're looking at in your in your local uh, small areas?
0: No, That's a good question. Um, uh, of course, if you want to sell excess capacity, you need to start having excess capacity. So where have they built a lot of capacity? It's in dense urban centers. Uh, as we are more of a r- rural and regional operator, uh, we operate in areas where towers are far from one another. So there's far less capacity to be resold there. Uh, I would... Uh, I would point to areas that are dense, urban, and where excess capacity has already been built, which, okay. which, which doesn't map very well with our, our operations. Okay,
5: okay, fair enough. So you don't see, I mean, because you, you described basically the T-Mobile model for your area, but uh, you're not seeing it, I guess. Um, That's fair enough. Okay, thank you for the,
8: for the answer.
1: Our next question will come from Tim Casey with BMO. Uh,
8: thanks. Uh, just a couple for me. Um, with respect to the Canadian wireless opportunities and the potential remedies coming out of um, the Rogers and Shaw transaction, given it's, uh, you know, there's a possibility certainly that, you know, remedies will be negotiated prior to the final terms and conditions on the mb o side. How should we think about how you're approaching that opportunity?
0: Well, uh, Tim, this is a good question. And again, uh, we're depending on um, the, the the three bodies that are very closely monitoring this transaction. We've expressed concerns, uh, as you know, to the CRTC for different reasons, to the Competition Bureau and to ISED. Um, now, uh, they are running their analysis and evaluation right now. Uh, it's, um, it's not known exactly the conclusion uh, that they will draw, each of them. So we still need to give it a little bit more time to see where the the, the three uh, analysis will will point to uh so we could speculate a lot but right now let's give them the time to to achieve uh some uh, some analysis and results and uh we'll see
8: okay related to that you know there is um you know some speculation in the market certainly from your investors with respect to the block of shares owned by Rogers, I know this is a topic that's been on or been around for a few years. But just in t- given the um, the accelerated capex initiatives you have, which are clearly all on strategy at a high level, what would your appetite be, or, or where would um, the potential to repurchase shares be within your capital priorities?
2: Yeah, so it's, uh, it's definitely part of uh, the capital uh, deployment, and we've been active in, uh, with a normal course issuer bid. So if this situation presented itself, we could uh, play a role, and that's what we've uh, said uh, all along. It's, um, although uh, it would be a role because it's, uh, it's a sizable investment. But we, uh, we do believe that it's, uh, buying back our shares is a good investment of uh, capital as long as we can pursue uh, the other things we're doing. And fortunately, we're in a good financial situation and uh, generate a lot of free cash flow. Now, given uh, the various acquisitions we've made in the past uh, year, our leverage is a bit higher than, uh, than our target. Our target long term is three, times, uh, three turns of EBITDA. Uh, but we do have uh, some capacity to play a role if if ever this uh, came along.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And our last question for the day will come from the line of Drew McReynolds with RBC. Yeah,
6: thanks very much uh and and happy new year uh, everyone uh, and thanks for squeezing me in two clarifications. Um first uh Philip on the wireless <clears throat> framework uh timing the late spring, early summer that you just provided, that, that's simply to get the terms and conditions finalized by the CRTC and presumably subsequent to that, you then go into commercial negotiations. Have I
0: got that right? You got it. You got it. It's exactly that. So we need to first uh, see reasonable uh, terms and conditions and then we will get into negotiation with more or more than one um, incumbents. Okay. Okay. On, perfect. On okay. Thank you
6: for that. And uh, Patrice, just a clarification on the Canadian broadband side. When you were talking about Q2 EBITDA being slightly better underlying than uh, Q1, um, you know, I believe Q1 was down five or six percent. Um, yeah. Are you turning that into growth in Q2, or just a sequential uh, improvement in that decline?
2: Uh, no, it would be a positive number. So we, um, in the next quarter, uh, when you compare it to last year, Derry Telecom will be there for most of the quarter. We bought it two weeks into the last year's quarter, second quarter. Um, so, yes, we do uh, expect the organic uh, EBITDA uh, to be, um, I would say, um, Definitely not uh, uh, the size of negative number we've had in Q1 for the various reasons I've explained and uh, including the daily telecom acquisition, which again is only two weeks uh, impact. Then that's definitely a positive number in Q2.
6: Okay. Okay. Super. Thank you. And uh, last one for me, Uh, obviously a lot of uh, competitive um, dynamic discussion in the U S just in, in Canada, uh, can you just give us an update uh, on, you know, any incremental fiber to the home impact? Obviously, Bell's accelerating its fiber to the home extant- expansion through 2021 and and all through this year as well. Uh, just, uh, are you seeing anything out there in the market? Thank you.
2: Yeah. So uh, the the expansion uh, or conversion of uh, of the phone company from either DSL or FTTN into fiber has been going on for many years. I wouldn't say that uh, the past year has, uh, we've seen a a big difference. So there's been uh, a bit more, but we're competing uh, at about 50% in our footprint uh, with fiber to the home. The rest is a mix of uh, fiber to the node and DSL. Um, We are fairly well equipped. Uh, We offer a gig uh, in terms of top speeds in a large portion of our network, and especially in the areas where we want to do it. Uh, something we could accelerate if we wanted to as well. Um, we have a good uh, IPTV video product as well, uh, Epico, that we launched a year ago, uh, which is a fairly uh, fairly interesting voice-activated, so basically all the bells and whistles in it. Um, so, And then on top of it, we have these network expansions we're doing now. So it's, um, I would say, nothing uh, special this year versus what we've been uh, seeing in uh, in past years.
6: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. At this time, I see no further questions in the queue. I would like to turn the call over to Mr. Jate and Mr. Wimet for their closing comments.
2: Okay. Well, thanks for being there today, and we look forward to talking about our Q2 results in April. And feel free to call us if you have any questions in the meantime. Have a good day.
1: Once again, we'd like to thank you for participating in today's Kojiko conference call. You may now disconnect.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.